0: One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two, Two experts. experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go, go to, court. to court. On this episode, I'll talk about the first fugitive ever captured by America's Most Wanted. And I'll be talking about the murder of Ashley Peoples. Okay, this is it. This is Is it the moment you have all been waiting for? Donald Trump has been impeached. (laughs) Okay, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) Is that not what's happening? Oh, wait. It's something just as exciting, (laughs) maybe more so. It's the themed episode of Let's Go to Court. We are covering cases covered by America's Most Wanted. That is correct. And how did this get decided? Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) No, Jesus take the wheel. Yeah, Jesus was like, man, it's been a real slow week. I'm going to pick the theme (laughs) for your podcast. No, No. we went on Patreon and we had our patrons vote Ah. on whether they wanted to hear cases covered by America's Most Wanted or cases that have been covered by Unsolved Mysteries. So this was a very close vote. Do you want me to give the
1: numbers? Yes, give the numbers. Okay, so very close. There were 335 votes total cast, Uh 159 to Unsolved Mysteries and 176 to America's Most
0: Wanted. It's so a very close vote. Yeah, that is very close. And some people were like, uh, there's not court stuff in Unsolved Mysteries. There, I've already oh, done a case. Me. I've already done a case on this very fucking podcast <laughs> that was on Unsolved Mysteries. Yes. I submit to those people, the haters, if I may, that they do not watch enough Unsolved Mysteries. That is correct. Because that stuff does go to court sometimes. Now, people don't always get convicted or sometimes they do and there's a bunch of doubts and yeah. so, you know, unsolved. That's but anyway, right. anyway. Also, what? Have you heard? Rumored... That there's a reboot
1: in the works for Unsolved Mysteries. Do you think I have not coming heard that? to Netflix? I'm on a
0: special newsletter. <laughs> you,
1: you get the Unsolved Mysteries newsletter.
0: It's me and one other person. <laughs> Probably you. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, like on Pluto TV, there's this is not a plug; it's just a fact. Yes, that they have a channel that's just all unsolved mysteries. What I know, but we had to stop watching it because you know you watch that oh stuff my late gosh, at night, and then you're just terrified all the time. Well, and also, as titillating as it is, I like. I'm sorry, that's the only other. What word do you want? It is titillating <laughs> for there to be a mystery. Quit making that. Play. I don't like it at all. But. You know, then you get too titillated to sleep. <laughs> Sorry. Now. I was, yeah,
1: I'm just trying to say.
0: OK, so similar thing that I did to myself.
1: David and I just watched all the Insidious movies all in a row. So there's like four of them uh-huh. and they're horror movies. Yeah. And I find them very scary. And then right now, at the same time, I happen to be pregnant. And so I get up in the middle of the night multiple times to pee. And so, in these movies, there's all these like ghost like creatures no. that are like walking around no. people's houses. No. So, I like go to the bathroom and then I come out, it's like dark in my house.
0: And I'm like, what if there's one of those ghost people standing behind me right now? And then I just freak myself out. That sounds terrible. It this is, is why terrible. I don't watch horror movies. <laughs> Did you see what I tagged you in on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's been a sign. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Should we ex- in case we decide to leave this part yeah. in. Someone on Twitter was like, "Hey, you know, I know you guys like have talked about covering the O.J. Simpson trial, but you're like, oh my gosh, that's so big, so intimidating. Here's a suggestion, break it into two parts." And I was like, "Great idea. I assigned that to yeah. Brandy." And uh, man. this just in, I'm not fucking doing it. <laughs> Brandy, as your long-term friend, <laughs> I advise that you do it. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Do you know what I'm about to talk about? Um, okay, so
1: I did a little bit of reading when this right. when this category won. I did go and read I think it was actually like a ranker article uh-huh. about like the top fifteen, whatever. And that's where I found my case. So I did read a tiny bit, but I read so many, I can't remember which okay, one Okay, great. So
0: <laughs> Was it about the really bad guy? Yeah, I think it was a really bad guy that they, who was a fugitive. <laughs> yeah, uh, great. I'm afraid you remember this whole thing. Okay, so right off the bat, I want to say something kind of weird about this. Oh, good. Which I've noticed about some... Wait, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to hold it till the end. No, 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 I'm saying it all. I'm <laughs> saying it all right here, damn it.
1: Typical Kristen. <clears throat> Leaves the perfect amount of chicken. <laughs>
0: Okay, are you going to explain what that means?
1: <laughs> okay, so we just went to lunch. And, like, we went and had amazing Italian. It was, it, it was so, so good. And good.
0: Norman's not here at the yes. moment.
1: but So yeah. we eat. And Kristen, like, eats what she wants of hers. And she has, like, a little bit left. And she offers it to Norm. And so Norm takes it. Uh-huh. And then he's, like, <laughs> he goes to take a bite. And he goes, typical Kristen leaves the tiniest amount of chicken. <laughs> it's like she just
0: offered you her food. And I was like, I am so damn <laughs> sorry. I'll take it back if you don't want it. <laughs> my God. And he's like, no, that's, uh, that's uh, uh, I'm in yeah. it. Uh. <laughs> Man. Apparently beggars can be choosers. <laughs> you saw him with his little ravioli dish I eyeballing my food. I did. Well, he did have the saddest looking plate. He like, did. He had the smallest looking plate, which yes. is not a situation Norman never ever wants, wants to, to be find in. himself no. in. <laughs> Uh, And then he
1: made the mistake of, like, he wasn't paying attention, and the waitress took uh, his sauce away, which uh, he was going to dip the bread in. It was was a whole thing. And (laughs) then
0: I only gave him the tiniest tiniest bit bit of chicken. (laughs) Anyway. He's a growing boy, Kristen. How dare you? (laughs) I love him dearly. Okay, so the thing I was going to say about this case that is a weird thing that I've noticed about 80s cases, sometimes with 80s cases, it's like they're not old timey enough for anyone to have gone back and done like a really cool deep dive into them. And so this is one of those cases where there's not a bunch of great articles that go in depth on what this guy did. Mm -hmm. So that's concerning. So here's what I did. Murderpedia does have an entry on him Uh some of the articles on there I thought were better than others one got the victims names wrong which is like how the yeah not great anyway so there's not even a wikipedia entry for this guy yeah there's not on my guy either Interesting, Which is yeah, shocking i was shocked too but anyway so what i ended up doing was i like got what i could from the internet and then i went on newspapers.com and i found a bunch of articles from back in Excellent. the 80s the reason i'm mentioning this is because i feel like sometimes when i do that there's a greater chance that i will have missed something oh right but you know i did my best and i went through a ton what of, more can we ask a ton of stuff from indiana newspapers god bless them okay wonderful so you're. Saying this happens in Indiana. No, I just really like Indiana's <laughs> news coverage. <laughs> Would it have been easier if I did this where the guy actually lives? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, this is the story of the first fugitive ever profiled on America's Most Wanted. I had to physically hold myself back from singing the Brady Bunch theme song there, (gasps) This is the story of a a lovely lovely lady. lady. (laughs) All right, all right. No, there's nothing lovely about this guy. Oh, I also have in my notes here, just a warning, this guy sucks. Uh, For some reason, I was genuinely surprised by how awful he was. And I had to remind myself, it's America's Most Wanted. They're not, (laughs) you know, like... (laughs) It's not like America's we kind of hope we find like, this guy. Hey, this guy's kind of a pain in <laughs> the dick. We it'd be nice if we could catch him. No, it's the most most wanted. wanted. Okay. David James Roberts was born in Perth Amboy, New Jersey, which sounds made up, but it I googled sure it. Does. It's a real place and it looks lovely and he was very enthusiastic about being a criminal. Mm. So, I don't have much on his early life, but one article said his first adult arrest happened when he was 22 years old, which mm. I don't think they call them adult arrests, but no, we get oh, the idea. Yes. He probably had a bunch of stuff he has as a, probably juvenile. a juvenile record, yeah. A while later, when he was in Indiana, he started doing this super fun thing where he would go up to a woman He'd rape her, rob her, and lock her in the trunk of her car. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. So he did this to at least two women before he was caught. Oh. Yeah. So you might be thinking, gee, that's really terrible. I bet he went away for a really long time for that. No. No. (laughs) No, he did not for whatever reason, he was only convicted on armed robbery charges. So he was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Wow. While he was in prison, David participated in some sort of prison riot, you know, that involved a lot of people. Yeah. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. Six years into his sentence, he was released on parole. So now it's December 12th, 1972. Sorry, I was waiting to unzip my vest. <laughs> I'm gonna unzip it so fast. Well, I was, you know, trying to get on with the story, but then it made too loud of noise, and you made a face, and now everyone knows that I just took my vest took off. Take your clothes off, and I'm topless. Telling this story, please, Kristen, stop sexually harassing me. <laughs> so now it's December twelfth, nineteen seventy two, and our boy it's Dave' my half birthday. Oh, it's God. also
1: Norm's half birthday.
0: Oh God. Okay, I made fun of you mm-hmm. for always being obsessed with your half birthday. Yeah. But then the last time when I asked you, why are you obsessed with it? It made me kind of sad. Yeah. Do you want to tell people why you're obsessed with your half birthday? Yeah, because that's the day that you got to bring treats and
1: celebrate your birthday if you have a summer birthday. So let me tell you a very sad story that I just learned today. What? So my brother-in-law, James, uh-huh. so my sister, Casey told me this today, because the episode that came out today when we're recording this is the one that we dedicated to her birthday. Yes. our crime had something <laughs> to do with her birthday. And she said, you guys got pretty close to my half-birthday because their half-birthday was just a couple days ago. So (laughs) And she said that James, her husband, had never heard of a half-birthday. He didn't really know what that was. And I was like, that's
0: weird. What about school? And she said, so his birthday... Oh, no. Is it summer and winter break? Yes, his birthday is June
1: 24th, so his half-birthday is December 24th. Brandy, your baby. I know. I know. This little baby, yeah, isn't going to get to celebrate their birthday at
0: school. It's going to be real sad. Poor baby. (laughs) And poor James. Yes, poor James. I felt really sad for him. Should we? go bring him treats right now we should yeah he'd be like what the hell let's leave right now (laughs) (laughs) okay we're back so our boy Davey he is free as a bird on parole great a bird that has to check in with the other birds yes less than a year after he was released he went to a store in White River Indiana and got himself a new set of tires the shop put the new tires on and David was like thank you so much and he drove off into the sunset without paying oh So Bill Patrick was What? How did he get his keys without paying? I usually That's how the exchange happens. Well, maybe it didn't back in the 80s. Maybe. Maybe. But also, I think this guy was fairly charming. Mm -hmm. Just from the little that I've read about him. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't seem like a super bad guy. All right. So, you know, he drives off with his new tires. Yeah. Didn't pay a thing. And Bill Patrick was the manager of the store. And I think he handled the situation like any manager would. He called up the police, said what happened... And of course, David got into big trouble. He was charged with robbery, and he was all set to go to trial with Bill Patrick being, I mean, I guess you could call him the prosecution's star witness. Yeah. But that trial never took place. Did Bill Patrick die? Mm Mm-hmm. Was he murdered? On the evening of January 20th, 1974, David went to Bill Patrick's home with a five-gallon jug of gasoline. Oh, my gosh. And it's unclear whether he strangled or smothered Bill and his wife Elizabeth. But at any rate, he murdered them and their infant was in the home. Oh, my God. And then he lit the house on fire, (gasps) effectively murdering three people. I read in one other article, most of them don't mention this, but I believe the couple also had another daughter who was a little older and she was at a friend's house. Oh, my gosh. Over some tires? This guy's awful. I mean, he's just pure awful. I hate this already. Like I said, I was reading this, being shocked by how bad it was, and I continually had to be like, okay, America's most wanted. Yes, all right, this, yeah, he has to be just the world's biggest shithead. He will deliver, don't worry. So, you know, that's awful, but, you know, whatever. It's time for David to face justice in this triple murder. So in March of 1974, he was indicted. The judge set bail at the what? yeah. Why would he get bail? Oh, it's only a triple murder. Yeah, it's a triple murder. With a guy with a lengthy criminal record. Yeah, no bail. Is it super low? Guess how much it is.
1: It's obviously not a million dollars, which is what murder carries now, like at a minimum. So it's
0: 74, what do you think?
1: Uh, $10,000. Yep. $10,000. Ten thousand dollars
0: adjusted for inflation. That's about fifty-two thousand dollars. That's way too low. Yeah, and um, shouldn't have been said at all because um, while David was out on bail, everything was fine. It was great.
1: No, it wasn't. Oh
0: wait, no, that messed up my notes messed there. Up your... <laughs> In November of nineteen seventy-four, David found a nineteen-year-old woman. So the story is, and I'll get more into this later. But he came up to her with a gun. You know, tell me if this sounds familiar. He rapes her twice, puts her in the trunk of her car, but she had her infant son with her. So David didn't just rape this woman. He took her son into the woods, abandoned the baby there. And by the time she got free, and by the time people were aware that there was a baby missing, the baby had died. What was the point of that? If you're looking for logic in this guy, I don't think there's, yeah, I mean, it's just horrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, the baby had been left alone overnight in in an Indiana winter. Excellent. Yeah. But don't worry. Police tracked David down, and of course he had a gun, which was like the least of their worries, but still a no-no. And because of what he'd just done, he was now facing four murder charges plus kidnapping, rape, and arson. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, like, good grief. Obviously,
1: he gets away because this is America's most wanted, so. (laughs) Brandy,
0: the look on your face. (laughs) I hate this. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry at the trial where David was accused of murdering the Patrick family. So, you know, they obviously break Uh, this, you know. Prosecutor Charles Gantz told the jury in his opening statement, basically, here's the deal. We've got witnesses. We have witnesses who will tell you that on the night the Patrick family died, a black man in a gold car pulled up to a service station in New Whiteland and asked for directions to Princeton Drive. And that's where Mm -hmm. the family lived. I hope they got more specific than just a black man in a gold car. But, you know, anyway, here we go. We also have witnesses who saw David. David James Roberts by a five-gallon gas can on that very same night. And guess what? Police found that exact same gas can by the burnt body of Bill Patrick. Mm. He talked about motive, about how Bill Patrick was going to be the key eyewitness in this robbery trial. Mm -hmm. David's defense attorney was Tom Jones. And he was like, it's not unusual (laughs) to be loved by anyone. (laughs) They were like, can you get to the point, sir? (laughs) And then he was like, what's new, pussy Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is circumstantial. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. And I mean, poor Tom Jones, great music. Uh, couldn't find a great defense for this guy. I mean, how do you defend this? Yeah. So what he tried to say was like, this is very circumstantial. And the evidence will show that no one knows what happened to the Patricks after they returned home from an evening out. Mm. Like, really? I I think we can uh, figure it out. Yeah. Once the trial got underway, a gas station attendant confirmed that, yes, the gas can that was found near Bill Patrick's body was definitely the one he'd sold. So this had to be so creepy. You know, they bring in the gas can and they're like, how do you know that this is the one you sold? Well, it had in his own handwriting, it said $5 on it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, I recognize my own handwriting. But there was some debate as to whether he could positively ID David James Roberts as the guy who bought the gas can. In court, he said, I'm sure it was David. I'm sure it's that guy. But the defense was like, mm, how convenient. You weren't that sure earlier, but you're sure now.
2: Interesting.
0: And the guy was like, yes, now please leave me alone. Yes. A coroner testified that Bill and Elizabeth had died from some type of smothering, smothering suffocation. They also had like some neckties by them. So it was kind of unclear exactly how they died, but it was obviously a homicide. Yeah. They died before the fire started, and their infant daughter had died of smoke inhalation. Mm. A forensic pathologist testified that he believed that the fire had been set to try to conceal the crime. Right. So... There was a lot of speculation as to whether David would take the stand, because if he did... Wait, are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm trying to figure out why it would be a good idea for him to take the stand. I think the only argument is he was up for the death penalty, and when you've got your life on the line, maybe you want to do what you can to defend yourself. Well, and yeah, it would humanize you, too, like the jury. Maybe. More difficult, probably, to... You know what? That's a good point. It probably is more difficult to sentence someone to death Uh when you've heard them speak, Uh but... He didn't do it? He didn't do it. Uh Uh-huh. Which is wise, because if he had, that would obviously open up opportunities for the prosecution to bring up all these prior bad acts and, right. and all that. Yeah. You okay? Yeah. You I like that get chair? Rid- I had to ditch that pillow. Too much for you? Yeah, didn't leave enough room in the chair for my bootay. Don't brag. <laughs> <laughs> It's rude. It's rude to brag to I those am, who have I so little. no way consider that bragging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? In 2020? I almost said 2019. I'm trying to catch up. In 2020, it's not a humble brag to talk about your big ass. Really? Hmm. All right. I'd like everyone else to weigh in on Twitter, please. <laughs> so the jury deliberated for four hours. And they found him
1: guilty. Yes.
0: David James Roberts was sentenced to die by electric chair.
1: How did he escape from prison?
0: Hmm. Wouldn't you like to? I know? would. Can you please tell us? Stay this? tuned for next week, no! part two Electric Boogaloo. Oh, and I just talked about the electric chair. I'm sorry. How shocking. Oh. <laughs> sorry that's the sound of everyone turning this podcast I know. off <laughs> okay so at some point due to some very boring drawn-out arguments about indiana state law which i'm not going to go into because i fell asleep reading about it david's sentence was commuted to six life terms Wow. Oh, okay fast forward to 1977 now how many, how many years is that um three years i think okay. yeah now david james roberts was on trial for raping the 19 year old woman and as i told oh you okay? I have like a big gas bubble right here. It's called a baby. It's called a baby. <laughs> you're not going to be able to belch that out. <laughs> oh my God, don't push it out. Oh, no! <laughs> oh my God.
1: Continue on. Sorry, I apologize.
0: You look like you're really struggling I know, here.
1: I need to burp, but it's not ready yet. Still, Still cooking. <laughs> Still cooking It's the surface.
0: Patty, cut all that out. No, we're leaving this in. Patty, cut it's every hilarious. bit of that it's out. It's hilarious. We're leaving it in. <laughs> Is this where we say we've got an editor? I know. We should introduce Patty. You guys, we have an editor now. We're official. Oh. We're like such a big deal now. We are. We're hugely famous. (laughs) (laughs) We have exactly one employee on our payroll. And Patty, please leave that all in. Patty, cut it all out. So now, David James Roberts was on trial for raping the 19 year old woman I talked to you about earlier and killing her infant son.
1: Okay. This was actually the third trial. And managed to escape while he was at trial. You just—that's the easiest way to do it—is while you're being transported. Can you keep
0: your maternity pants on?
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I mean, know how he gets away?
0: I'm getting to it. How I'm getting soon? to. I'm—I mean—in a matter of moments okay. here. It's so in this have... very script that I am reading More to you right obviously. now. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. If you don't interrupt me, I get to it faster. <laughs> Ow! But that's what I tell kids when they're uh-huh. moving during haircuts. Uh-huh. If you sit still, it'll go even faster. Uh.
1: <laughs> uh huh. Now Kristen's in slow motion over what, there.
0: What is your favorite color? You stop if it. If you had to pick one, black. Mm. Mm. <laughs> because it is the most dominant of colors. <laughs> Would you please go? <laughs> so this was the third trial for this rape and murder the first trial ended in mistrial the second trial ended in a hung jury so here we are for the third time oh my and gosh. all you can think about is when does he become a fugitive but the prosecution's like can we just get this over with also can you imagine being the victim first of all you have to go through this no. shit, and then three trials Yeah, no. Ugh. so the victim said that on the night of november 14th 1974 she was driving along, and as she reached an intersection, I don't know if she had to come to a stop or she slowed down. As she did that, a man she now identified as David James Roberts came up to her with a gun. He forced himself into her driver's seat and drove her to the parking lot of an apartment complex.
1: Okay, see so here, what one thing. What? I mean, I'm not going to be able to climb over the console of my car into the passenger seat. It's simply not happening. So what happens when a guy's like trying to force me at gunpoint to get into the passenger seat?
0: I've thought about this a lot. I think the struggle here is she had a baby in the car. Yeah. So she's not going to get out and run. Yeah. She's going to stay in that car. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. And I don't know if he necessarily had her, you know, move through the car uh-huh. or if he had her get out okay. and go around, but like, you're yeah, not going to abandon You're not going to leave the Absolutely baby. not. Yeah. 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 This story is horrible. I mean, the whole thing's horrible, yeah. but I just... Ugh. Yeah. I think we've all picked up on that, Kristen. <laughs> There's one idiot out there <laughs> who's like, is this bad? Is it bad? <laughs> it's bad, sir. <laughs> there. Now we're covered. Yeah. Okay. So he raped her twice and locked her in the trunk of her car. And of course... Oh God! <laughs> Did you have no warning? Oh
1: my God! Very little control over this body
2: these days.
0: <laughs> I love this. That means we have to keep everything in. No. The, yes, of, Brandy. It's so can, funny. Brandy, it's the, so okay, funny. okay. Here, I'll make you a deal. No, You'll I will make, make the previous. no deal. conversation, and you have to cut the burp out. Can we bleep the burp? No. Let's bleep it.
1: It's, no, it's so much funnier. No, it's
0: terrible. No one will be able to hear it. I don't care. <laughs> Randy come on it's a comedy podcast I don't want We're my, all friends I don't want here. my
1: burp on the podcast it
0: won't be because it'll be bleeped oh my
1: god I'll, Patty do that and then I will de- when I listen to the edit I will decide no don't, <laughs> don't decide
0: <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened no yes it is yes it is because you're so you're so weirdly proper about bodily functions yeah you're like an old-timey Victorian woman yes oh my <laughs> I was about to say heavens to Betsy, but I don't think they said that back then. Yeah. More like, "Mm, ooh, diphtheria.
2: (laughs) Ooh, diphtheria!
0: (laughs) Okay, back to this terrible story. God, that makes me so happy, Brandy. You have no idea. (laughs) Okay, so a service station employee ID'd David. David's wife, Connie, was like... Well, He's a wife during all of this? I know. I read that and it was like a bomb was dropped yes! on me. I'm like, what the hell? This is the downside to just reading snippets yeah. from old newspaper articles. As you read stuff like that, and you're like, I would like to know more, please. Yes, I need to know everything about Connie. Well, don't worry. Connie says, oh, don't worry. He uh, he was with me all evening. We fell asleep in the living room together. Reading our Bible. (laughs) Yep, yep. We share one Bible and (laughs) we read one word at a time. It takes forever. We always fall asleep. (laughs) And the defense was like, well, there you have it. No woman would ever give a false alibi for a man who left a baby to die. That's not true. Well, you sound like the prosecution. Yeah, that's not <laughs> like, true that's... at all. Again, though, these poor public defenders. What can you say? Yeah. What else can you say? Mm-hmm. I, uh, mm. So the prosecution was like, mm, for sure a woman would do that. I mean, it just depends on the woman. Like, and I mean, I'm sure she wasn't being treated well yeah. anyway. And the jury agreed. They found him guilty of kidnapping, rape, and murder. Mm-hmm. In other words, the justice system was like, here, buddy, have some more life in prison. You're locked up forever and you're never getting out for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. 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 And that's the story <laughs> that has nothing to do with America's Most Wanted. How does he escape? So the connection to America's next, uh, ne- ne- next, next to up model? model? The connection to America's Most Wanted is while David was in prison. They had it on sometime. And you really enjoyed the program. <laughs> Tell me how he becomes a fugitive. He was like, how I am titillated. Out. Stop saying <laughs> titillated. <laughs> it doesn't mean horny, Brandy. It just sounds like it means that. <laughs> sounds like nerd. <laughs> what? what? Like, I just get like an image when you say it. Of tits, yes. that's. But like, you know. what Wobbly tits? What's no, that? like hard nipped tits. <laughs> Well, yeah. Yeah. Why are you acting like that's such a... Hmm. Excuse me, folks. I was just interrupted. My phone went off because Taylor Mac is now following us on Twitter. <laughs> Taylor Mac, I hope you Taylor hear this Mac, and you poop your I, pants. Yes. I hope you're pleased with yourself for interrupting our podcast. <laughs> Damn it, Taylor. <laughs> Maybe I should silence my phone. Hmm. Could be a lesson for me. Anyway, so David didn't want to do life in prison, Brandy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, he appealed, and you know, that didn't go great because yeah. uh-huh. he was for sure awful. Until so then, he made a plan to escape, Shawshank Redemption style. In October of 1986, David had been in prison for quite a few years, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, oh, oh no. Oh, I'm having difficulty breathing. Oh, I have oh, tuberculosis. <laughs> Oh, my! The diphtheria! <laughs> Take me to a doctor! So he was taken to a local hospital, and he was examined by a doctor, and everything went fine. You'll be relieved to know. I know you were really concerned. I'm not concerned. Very concerned. On the way back, they obviously had him chained up, like you do. Mm-hmm. He's a prisoner. And I think we can all relate to this. It was around noon time. People were feeling a little hungry. Feeling a little peckish. So the two guards. Around about noon when your appetite's poking at you, poking at you. <laughs> What's
1: that from? <laughs> it's an old. Okay, so it's an old Snickers commercial,
0: but I only know it because it's part of an old Paula Poundstone <laughs> stand-up routine. This is like the third time you've mentioned Paula Poundstone on this podcast. I love her. She was very much effective in your life. <laughs> she was. I think she's hilarious. <laughs> so he's with these two guards. They stopped at a restaurant. I think they stopped at, like, a fast food place. They mentioned burgers. They got something for David. And they only sell burgers at fast food restaurants. I'm just imagining if you've got a few... Well, he's not a fugitive yet. He's not a fugitive yet, yet okay. Christy, because you... you won't get us there! <laughs> you're the one talking about Snickers commercials! <laughs> I just imagine if you've got a prisoner in the car, uh-huh. and you're going to spring for the prisoner's lunch, I mean, yeah. are you really going to yeah. take him to a... you right. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, right. So here we go. They, one article said loosened his chains so that he could eat. Another one said uncuffed him. I think they uncuffed him. Yeah. And like the dick that he is, he BAM! Pulled a gun on them. Shut up. So it is believed that someone might have snuck him this gun while he was in the hospital. It wasn't one of their guns? No. 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 He pulled a gun on them. Wow. He was like, okay, you two get in the back seat. So they did. And he handcuffed the officers, took control of the van, and headed off toward Hammond, Indiana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which some of the articles are like, this is not in the direction of the prison. It's like, well, no, no shit. shit. He's not driving back to the prison. <laughs> I just want to drive a van. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, he stopped to make a phone call. And that's when the two officers made their escape. Side they note. didn't die? No. Oh. Side note one of these officers got demoted and the other one got fired because it was discovered that he or she i don't know had been smuggling contraband into the prison mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. my tinfoil hat is on real tight about this whole situation uh yeah because this guy murders everybody but he didn't murder, murder them them, yeah mm-hmm. 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 just saying it's only a tinfoil hat people i don't know anything but <laughs> but i'm very confident <laughs> But anyway, the two officers escaped with their lives, and David James Roberts just plain escaped. Fine. About six months later, the FBI put him on their 10 most wanted list, but didn't really do anything. I mean, how often are you going and checking out the top 10 most wanted list? I've lists? never, I don't know that I've ever looked at it. And you are the most likely person to uh, do seriously? it. But then, on one miraculous day... Why am I not checking the 10 most wanted list? Because no one thinks that they're going to see anyone they know. That would make my day. <laughs> <laughs> you would be thrilled. You're I would be, be thrilled, too. What am I okay, saying? I'd be thrilled. I would be absolutely thrilled. Okay, let's thrilled. tell the listeners no, what you asked no. me on the drive home. I don't recall. <laughs>
1: What did I ask you, Brandy? So we're driving behind like a big rented box truck. It was like an enterprise rent-a-truck thing. And first of all, we were very alarmed because I hate those situations anyway because there's always, you know, people who are not trained to drive that big of a vehicle driving those things. And
0: there's snow on the ground in Kansas City right now. Yeah, it's like snowing
1: today and like this thing was having trouble staying in its own fucking lane. Yeah, it was
0: real wobbly down the highway. And so
1: we're driving and Kristen goes... What would you do right now if the back of that just flew open and there are 3 people tied up back there? <laughs> <laughs> I said I would be very excited. <laughs>
0: Because we would get to be the hero. Yes. I feel like get to be involved leave... in some yeah. crazy takedown. Oh, man. We would follow that van. Oh, hell yes. You know what? We'd be like an action movie where you would pull up yeah. the car real close and we'd be like, hop on! And they'd yeah. jump out and, you know, yeah. it'd be So terrible. you're telling
1: me that if mm-hmm. you looked at the FBI's 10 I most wanted list and thrilled. you recognized the Joe who lives three doors down. Oh, my God. And I... his real name is <laughs> what? Henry Ford. And
0: he's wanted <laughs> for murdering his entire family. I would be like, I'd call Keith Morrison first, obviously. Do <laughs> yes. you have his number? Yes. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't shared that with me. <laughs> Who am I fooling? Yeah. I'd be thrilled to help out in a crime situation. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So anyway, he's on the 10 most wanted uh-huh. list. Didn't do anything until one miraculous day. A fantastic brand new TV show changed the world. I'm talking, of course, about America's most wanted. That was my James Lipton impression. Excellent. It debuted on February Wait, is he the actor studio guy? Yeah, the guy with the mustache. I love him. He <laughs> he is very enthusiastic about every actor who comes on his show. Uh, obviously. Yeah, but some of them, like... No, every one of them are amazing on there. Not every
1: one of uh, them. Yeah. My favorite question. Hmm. If heaven is real, mm-hmm. what's the first thing you want to hear when you get there? What's the first thing you want to hear? I don't know, but Liam Neeson's answer made me cry. What is it? He said... Um, Oh, I don't know if I can say Really? Here's, yeah, here's a bottle of wine your wife's inside waiting for you.
0: Oh. Oh. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. <laughs> oh, Liam. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm all yeah.
0: <laughs> Doesn't take much these days for you no. to burp or cry. <laughs> Are you ready for some fun facts about America's Most Wanted? Yes. Lay them on me. Okay, these come from Wikipedia, so no one debate me. Okay. All right. 100% correct. Like all things that Americans love, America's Most Wanted is not originally American. No. The concept for the show comes from a German show, which I cannot pronounce. Hmm. Do you want to try? (laughs) Ergel (laughs) Groom. Please. That's an office joke. Oh. (laughs) That you would get if you were cooler. (laughs) I like
1: the office. I don't... You you
0: say you like the Office. I've seen almost every episode of The Office, but I've not. It's not one I've seen like everyone the most a million offensive times. Thing you could say to me? I've Why seen almost I every have. episode of the? Office. It's possible that I have seen every episode. Okay, well the last couple seasons are real rough. Yeah, They're terrible. Yeah. but anyway, anyway, it also takes inspiration from a British show, which I can't pronounce because that's English, and I'm great at English. <laughs> Crime Watch. Mm. Okay, here's another fun fact. We all know that the great John Walsh was the host of America's Most Wanted. yes but he was not their first choice (gasps) far from it brandy so
1: they were actually like the story that everybody knows is that he started the show because of his son that's not true hold on to your pants
0: (gasps) (laughs) you guys just for reference brandy grabbed like maybe a quarter inch below her bra (laughs) that's how high up these maternity pants are so here's here's a few people That they considered to host America's Most Wanted. Okay. Bob Woodward. Oh yeah. Who broke the Watergate scandal with Carl Bernstein. Mm -hmm. Linda Ellerby. Do you remember her? She hosted Nick News. Oh yeah. Yes, Yes. okay. Snooze Fest. (laughs) It won a bunch of awards.
1: (laughs) I just needed it to get over so I could watch Are You Afraid of the Dark?
0: (laughs) And are you ready for the big one? Yeah. This made Ugh. You know him. You love him. He's got teeth like a beaver eyes like a shark and a big old boner for Donald Trump. What? That's right, you guessed it. The man who was considered as the host for America's Most Wanted was none other than the one, the only, Mr. Rudy Giuliani! Holy Ah! shit, what? (laughs) Yeah, they wanted Rudy Giuliani. Oh my gosh. Was Rudy Giuliani doing television work at the time? I believe he um, gosh he wouldn't have been finished being mayor of New York at that point Um, they decided he was too handsome to host the (laughs) show (laughs) no that's a joke the Uh. truth is that Jesus intervened so at some point during the early stages of the show someone suggested that a man named John Walsh could be the host Mm -hmm. so let's talk a bit about John Walsh yes because you just kind of touched on it yeah up until the early 80s John Walsh was just kind of a pretty normal guy he has a degree in history from the university of buffalo and in the years after he graduated college he and i'm quoting became involved in building high-end hotels which is the most comically vague thing i think i've ever heard in my life he, investor him get yeah it doesn't sound like construction crew yeah. it sounds like it could be in any involved in yeah. any level so he was you know handing out hand towels and <laughs> high-end hotels <laughs> So he and his wife, I don't know how to pronounce this name, Reve, R-E-V-E? R-E-V-E? Mm-hmm. Reeve? Reeve? I don't know. That's beautiful.
1: I think Reeve sounds great. Name your baby Reeve. It's really cute. hmm Take that home.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So he and his wife, Reeve, and their six-year-old son, Adam, were living in Hollywood, Florida, in, you know, what seemed like a nice life. Uh One day, Reeve and Adam went to their local mall, and they went into the Sears, and Adam wanted to look at toys, so Reeve let him go look at toys while she looked for a lamp. A different time. Yeah. When she came back, Adam was missing. Uh, Do you know this whole story? Yeah, I do. It's terrible. So security footage, which wasn't released until much later... Showed a 17 year old security guard kind of shooing four boys out of the store alone. And people are pretty sure that Adam was one of those Mm -hmm. boys, which that's heartbreaking for that security guard. I mean, I'm sure he was just some kid doing what he he thought thought he was. was, yeah, Yeah, yeah. So Adam was missing for a while and a little more than two weeks after he was reported missing, his severed head was discovered in a drainage canal. So that story was obviously huge news, but even after Adam was discovered dead, John Walsh stayed in the news. He and Reeve formed the Adam Walsh Child Resource Center. They did some legislative work. They created the Missing Children Act of 1982 and the Missing Children Assistance Act of 1984, amongst other things. Mm -hmm. So in the late 80s, when they were trying to find the right host for America's Most Wanted, they figured, who better than John Walsh? The man who had become an advocate for crime victims and his child's killer was still on the loose. It was a very good call, in my humble opinion. Although maybe if Rudy Giuliani had done America's Most Wanted, he wouldn't be involved with all this stuff now. He probably would not be, it would really. In a very different... Real sliding doors situation. Yeah. Second time I've mentioned the movie it Sliding Doors. <laughs> the first episode of America's Most Wanted, as I said, aired on February 7th, 1988. Um, it started out as just a half hour show and it only aired in seven cities. Wow. Okay, people were really freaked out about this concept at first because I guess they thought that it would lead to everyone calling the police on like their neighbor, their brother, all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, mm-hmm. which isn't really what happened. Yeah. But anyway the first show told the horrifying story of serial killer and serial rapist david james roberts they showed pictures of him they detailed his crimes and of course they posted a phone number where people could call in with information
2: mm-hmm.
0: and boy did they as soon as the segment on david james roberts ended and they went into commercial break the hotline was a ringing. over the course of the evening they received more than 1200 calls most of the tips came from new york specifically Staten Island. Oh, my gosh. What's with your face right now? I'm very interested Okay, I'm you're, listening. You're really like, I'm very into this. People kept saying roughly the same thing. Yeah, that David James Roberts guy, he looks a lot like this other guy I know. A guy named Bob Lord. Bob Lord? Which sounds fake. It does sound right? fake. Bob Lord was the director. Rob God was already taken. <laughs> <laughs> Burt Holy Spirit was the second choice. <laughs> So Bob Lord was the director of a homeless, of a local homeless shelter. I'm sorry, I don't know why I
2: stumbled over
0: that. <laughs> people were shocked to see him on America's Most Wanted. Yeah. Which I would love to know more about this, because, you know, they always say they're shocked, but, I mean, a bunch of people called the hotline, yeah. so how shocked can you really be? I don't know. They said he was gentle and compassionate and that he worked really long hours helping people, but they called the hotline anyway. At some point that evening, a woman called the hotline, and she was like... Um, I think I'm dating that guy. Oh, no. Yep. <gasps> yep. Oh, my gosh. What if? <sighs> what? Yeah. What if you saw Norm on there? I would shit my pants. Yeah, same. I'd be as good as dead because I I hate it when people say I'm not a good liar because it's like a humble brag. But like, I don't think I could be the type of person who's like, hey, hun, I'm just going to go out to the grocery store. Right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think he would know immediately. That's all they up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that would be horrible. Yeah. What would you do?
1: If I saw Norm on there? <laughs> no, if you <laughs> saw David on there. No, what would you do if you saw Norm on I there? would call you immediately. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. would call you before I called America's Most Wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think what I would do is I'd probably make up some story and tell you I needed you to come to my house.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just to, like get you away. Uh-huh. And then. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and sure. then I'd figure something out. And then I have to tell you. Oh. <sighs> I like how seriously we take hypothetical situations. Because yeah. <laughs> we're looking at each other like, oh, God, that'd be so bad. It'd be, it'd so would I don't think it's going to happen. I don't either. Only because the show's not on the air anymore. <laughs> so she's like, I think I'm that guy's girlfriend. And they were like, "Hubble, what? Uh. She's like, yeah, he's in the hospital right now. He's pretty sick. You guys should probably go get him. So the investigators were like, screech. That's the sound of them like Peeling driving. Out. Yeah. <laughs> They showed up at the hospital. They ran to David James Roberts Bob the Lord's room and it was empty. Mm. The only thing left behind.
1: Like a piece of paper like spinning on the ground like he just.
0: You know left. what it was? What? It was a copy of the TV Guide. <gasps> and it was opened to a promo for America's Most Wanted's coverage of David James Roberts. No. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. You made that up. No, I didn't. But I, th- I think someone did. Oh, okay. So that comes from the America's Most Wanted website, which I think that is just too oh, yeah. good to be true.
1: There's, yeah, I don't believe it. Here's,
0: here's what I believe. He's in a hospital room. They probably had a TV in there. And it's the 80s, so they probably had TV guides. So maybe a TV guide was in the room. Yeah. But I don't believe that they, like, they came in and, oh, right open to the spot. Yes. No. No. But I, it's good storytelling. So yeah. tip of the hat to you liar. Anyway. (laughs) Brandy, no one can hear you tip your hat. (laughs) They could hear you burp, but they couldn't hear you. you Stop it right (laughs) now. Brandy burps. Stop it. (laughs) I just love it because I burp all the time. And one time you do it and you just want to fall through the whole (laughs) floor and die. Are you going to be okay? I'll be just fine. Do you want me to stop talking about it? Yes. Hmm, Weird. (laughs) But David slash Bob slash (laughs) Rob God didn't stay hidden for long. Four days after the segment aired, they found him hiding out on Staten Island. Where? Okay, you want to know the truth? Mm -hmm. I actually found the address Uh in a newspaper article, and I pulled it up, and I was like, that looks kind of shitty. And then I thought, but that's someone's house now, and I don't want to be rude. Yeah, right. But they probably know that it was their house, and, well, they're not listening. Probably not.
1: How do you know? Just statistically, Can what are the chances? Can you imagine if one time we give out an address and somebody who's listening is like, holy shit, that's my
0: house? That would be the craziest thing. Yeah. Almost as crazy as you watching America's Most Wanted and seeing Norman on there. <laughs> With no glasses. With no gla- that's yeah, that's always done. And freak. we find
1: out that he's really like 56 years
0: old. <laughs> that would kill me just because I hate age gaps <laughs> so much. <laughs> It was official. The first fugitive ever profiled on America's Most Wanted had been caught thanks to America's Most Wanted. On January 27th, 1989, David James Roberts pled guilty to being extra douchey and (laughs) also (laughs) for escaping custody. He was taken back to prison in Indiana and he remains there. Unless he's dead by now. I couldn't figure it out. (laughs) So, you know, just as long as he's locked up. He's either dead or still in prison. Yeah. One or the other. They're not letting him out to go eat a cheeseburger anymore.
1: Thank goodness.
0: On a side note, Ooh. just because I mentioned John Walsh's son and said that the person who killed him hadn't been found, okay, your eyebrows are so high on your head right now. I just want to do a quick little thing. Okay, what? I'm just curious, what you're gonna say? Do you have theories? There are many theories. Well, I'm just going with the most popular one here. Okay. Oh Lord, should I not be? Should I keep my big mouth? What are you gonna? Depends on what you're gonna say. Otis Tool. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So the most popular theory is that Adam was murdered by a serial killer named Otis Toole. Otis was in the area at the time of the murder. There was some evidence connecting him to the case. At one point, he confessed to it. At another point, he recanted it. Otis ended up dying in prison in 1996 while he was serving a life sentence for other murders. But in 2008, the police officially said that Otis Toole had killed Adam Walsh, and they closed the case. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was officially closed. It's officially closed. Wow. Well, breaking news. About 10 years old.
1: <laughs> 12 years old.
0: <laughs> and that's the story of America's Most Wanted's first episode. Very good. I wanted to find it so bad, but you can't. You can't. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Killed yeah, me. I could find
1: like a little clip of the one I'm doing, but Yeah. Yeah.
0: They're hard to find. I know. Hold on. Un momento. Mm. So, I'm kind of excited for this one because this is one that I know the name, but I know nothing about the case. So,
1: I thought that I recognized the name too, but once I read the details of the case, I didn't know anything about it. So, Oh, well then maybe I'm full I of think shit that too. there's an actress who's named this, and oh. so that might be why it sounds familiar. Okay. But anyway, it's a this is a tough case. It sucks. This is the murder of Ashley Peoples.
0: Patricia, nope. You know what? You have trouble with the name Patricia. Is that what you're about to say?
1: Yes. (laughs) Patricia Baskerville had an uneasy feeling. It was the early morning hours of August 8, 2008, and she'd been unable to reach her daughter, Ashley Peoples, for the entire day. Patricia was on vacation in Alabama while her daughter, Ashley, was back home in Connecticut. They lived in Hartford or just outside of Hartford. Anyway, Ashley had left vacation early and headed back. But it was very out of character for Ashley to go an extended amount of time without checking in with her mother. Ashley was extremely responsible especially by the standard to which most 22-year-olds are held. Like, Mm -hmm. she was just very responsible. She was so responsible, in fact, that that was the whole reason that she'd returned from vacation early so that she wouldn't miss work. She knew she had to get back and get a couple things done before she returned to work. She needed to get her hair done. And so she was not going to let that affect her work. She she cut her vacation short to do that. She took her job in the business office of a CarMax very seriously. So Patricia knew that Ashley had plans the whole day that she went back. She had to get her hair done. She was going to get her nails done. She was going to get her eyebrows done. And based on a picture I saw, I think Ashley got her hair done like in braids. So it's something that would take several hours. Oh, okay, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it wouldn't have been unusual for all of these things together to take up the whole day. Sure. So initially, Patricia wasn't like that concerned about it. But when she woke up like with a start at like two or three in the morning and realized that she would never heard from Ashley, mm. she was very concerned.
0: Have you said what year it is?
1: Um, It's 2008. I've not said what okay. year it is, but it's okay. 2008. So Patricia called her husband, who was Ashley's stepfather, and his name was William Baskerville. And he was a reverend like in a church in the Hartford area. Mm-hmm. He was back home in Connecticut. And so Patricia's like, has Ashley come home? Have you heard from her? And he was like, no, she hasn't. And no, I haven't heard from her. And again, it's like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. So at that time, Patricia sent Ashley a text telling her to call her as soon as she got it. And then she told herself that Ashley must be out with friends. Like, she's a 22-year-old girl. Like, surely she's, like, living up her last day before she has to go back to work. Right, right. And she managed to quiet her mind enough that she went back to sleep. Okay. Just after 7 o'clock that morning, Patricia woke up to her phone ringing. And relief spread through her when she saw Ashley's name on the screen. She was like, oh great. Thank goodness. You know, she's getting back to me. So she answered the phone, only it wasn't Ashley. It was Ashley's friend, Siobhan Coachman. And she told Patricia that she was worried. She said that she'd been at the salon with Ashley the day before and that she'd seen Ashley get into an argument with this guy that she'd been dating. So here's an I'm going to give this note here. Okay, most of the articles that cover this case call this guy her boyfriend or her ex-boyfriend. But Ashley's family says that this is not accurate. They say that Ashley had dated this guy casually for Mm -hmm, some time, mm -hmm. but that they had never, as a family, they had never met him. They'd seen him one time. Yeah. And that none of Ashley's friends had met them. Oh, then he's not a boyfriend. Exactly. Yeah. So Ashley had like been dating him casually, and then she had learned that he had some kind of criminal record. Mm -hmm. And like that was it for her. She stopped seeing him. She actually changed her phone number so he couldn't call her anymore. Like she immediately cut him off. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so Siobhan is talking to Patricia and she relays to her what she had seen the previous day. First, they were at the salon and Ashley had gotten a call from this guy that friends and family only knew as Red. Like that was a nickname that he went by. And he was pissed. He said that he had gotten a call from one of his boys who was at the salon and had seen Ashley flirting with someone there so apparently there's like a bunch of people at this salon and one of them happens to be like a guy friend of red's and he says that ashley's flirting with someone there and so this red calls her up
0: and i hate this pissed. guy
1: yeah uh, yeah give me a break so ashley talks to him on the phone and then like got off and everything seemed fine like ashley was back to normal what,
0: what are you doing over i'm there? sorry i'm putting on lotion it's the lotion oh. <laughs> you got me i love oh, it excellent by the way. <laughs> So Sorry, I just made a ton of noise. Can it's totally fine. So Ashley gets off the
1: phone. And while there had been an argument on the phone, Siobhan said Ashley was totally normal once they got off. Like, they continued their conversation.
0: I bet this guy was such a douche. They probably argued all the
1: time. Oh, so I'm, she's like,
0: oh, whatever. We're exactly. done.
1: Yeah. So a short time later, this red guy shows up at the salon. He, he comes brief. in. Ashley goes and talks to him. They talk for a few minutes. And then red leaves the salon, goes out, gets in his car, drives away. Another few minutes pass. And Ashley gets another call from this guy. And now he's like yelling into the phone so much that Siobhan can hear what he's saying. He's asking like specifically about some guy who's there at the salon. Good Lord, dude. Yes. And so Ashley gets off the phone and she's like exasperated at this point. And she told Siobhan that Red was coming back and wanted to talk to her. And so she, at this point, Ashley gives her phone to her friend Siobhan and says something to the effect of, red likes to break phones during arguments and so she's like can you hold my phone so he doesn't break it oh shit! when red gets to the salon ashley goes outside and several patrons of this salon see them having like a heated argument in yeah. the parking lot nobody knows exactly what they're saying but there's lots of like arms flailing yeah. and yeah. all of that it was a whole thing eventually red gets into his car like Ashley's like standing by his driver's door and he like pushes her out of the way, gets in the car, and then Ashley walks around and gets in the passenger seat mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. And as she either like turns to like look into the parking lot or maybe even turns to see her seatbelt as she's putting it on, yeah. he punches her in the <gasps> face. Oh. God. Like a guy who was standing in the parking lot described it as a sucker punch. Like she wasn't paying attention, had no idea it was coming. He right. just punches her. Like, directly in the eye. Then, like, the car, like, speeds out of the parking lot. And as they're pulling away, another guy who's standing out in the parking lot sees him punch her again. God... Siobhan then told Patricia that she had tried to get a hold of Ashley by calling this guy Red's phone from Ashley's phone. Because remember, she has Ashley's phone. Yeah, yeah. In her hand. That's how she's calling Patricia at this point. Yeah. And that she'd talked to him a couple times, like, but he'd been super angry. And she's like, just bring her back. Like, my son's stuff is in her car. She, this Siobhan has like a baby. Mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. she had the baby with her, but a bunch of the baby's stuff was in the car. Just bring her back so I can get my stuff out of the car. Like, she's just trying to reason yeah, of course, with him. Of like, course. anything to get him to bring her back to the. He's like, "I'll bring her back when I'm done with her." Oh. Fuck. Yeah. And Did anyone so, call
0: 911? No. As far what as I hell? can tell,
1: no one called 911 during any of this. So many of the people there, it seems new red in some way, uh-huh. that maybe it was like not getting involved in that or like a respect thing, I don't know, but it seems that no one People are also very weird about domestic violence Absolutely. where they feel like,
0: "Oh, well, it's just between those two. It's yeah. none of my business." Yeah.
1: So no, as far as I can tell, no one called 911 at that point. So Siobhan tells Patricia that this was the last time that she had seen Ashley. She'd been unable to get in contact with her since. And so Patricia said her reaction immediately was actually that she was angry with Ashley. She was angry that she would have someone like this in her life. Like, why would she have someone who she would let control her? Why would she even give that person the time of day And that was just her initial reaction to the situation. She knows better than that. She should value herself more than that. But then quickly, that reaction turned to one of fear. Like, what's going on? Where is she? We still can't locate her. And so she called her husband, again, who's back in Connecticut. She makes arrangements to get back to Connecticut as soon as she can. Yeah. She calls her husband, who's in Connecticut, and relays the whole thing to him. And he immediately goes to the police department. Yeah. But again... They only know this guy as Red. Oh, shit. Siobhan has his phone number. So I think of eventually they get Siobhan to the police department too, and they get a mm-hmm. phone number. But as soon as William, Ashley's stepdad, tells the police that they know this guy only as Red and that they think that he's abducted their daughter, they know who he is based on his name immediately. They know based on the name Red? Yes. Yeah. Oh, no. This guy's name is Daryl Crenshaw. And he has a long like rap sheet. And none of the articles specifically mention what his record is for. I believe it is violent crime because the reaction of the police, they like immediately spring into action. And it was like chaos. They were like, we have to get her as quickly as possible. So the police are working to contact anyone that they know knows Daryl Crenshaw. And so yeah. They start tracking people down. They talk to Siobhan. They, you know, she has Ashley's phone. They, you know, make attempts to reach this Daryl Crenshaw guy by his phone and nothing's really working. So, They end up talking to one of Ashley's co-workers. So by this time, Ashley has not shown up to work. And so people are concerned about that. Mm -hmm. So you got multiple people not communicating with each other who are concerned about Ashley's whereabouts. Right. So this woman that Ashley works with is actually the person who introduced her to this Daryl guy. And so they talk to her, and she says that she had seen Ashley the night before, that Ashley and Daryl had come to her boyfriend's apartment. So this is an apartment building that I guess Daryl was familiar with because he had recently, I think, lived in this area. Mm-hmm. And he was also good friends with this guy, Eroverto. I've never heard that name, but he went by Eddie's. So, okay. So they go to this Eddie's apartment and this is the boyfriend of Ashley's coworker, and so Daryl like goes in and he goes to like shut the door behind him and in walks Ashley behind him and Ashley's eye is like mm. there's like a blood clot in her eye like that is visible oh. like she goes to the bathroom to try and like clean herself up and they stay for like 20 minutes and at one point this Eddie guy goes to Ashley separately and was like do you need me to give you a ride to your car do you want me to take you somewhere get you to your parents something and she says no, I'm fine. And Mm. she ends up leaving with Daryl from that residence. Mm. And so talking with this coworker of Ashley's, the police find out that Daryl had called this coworker the next morning and said, hey, I need you to cover for Ashley at work today. I fucked up. What the hell does that mean? Exactly. And she's like, yeah, sorry, I can't do it. She's been on vacation. We need her like I, I can't cover for her. And he's like, I I need you to do this. I need you to do me a solid. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that. Let me talk to Ashley. Mm
2: -hmm. And he's
1: like, Ashley's sleeping right now. I can't give you the phone. Mm -hmm. I can't give her the phone. Mm -hmm. And so she is alarmed at this point, obviously. But she doesn't really know what that means. I think everybody had an inkling that this guy could be violent to some degree. But again, you never want to suspect, oh, he's murdered her. No, Exactly. So at this point, the co-worker is just like, Ashley needs to be here for her one o'clock shift. And that's kind of where she leaves mm-hmm. it. She makes several attempts later in the day when Ashley doesn't show up to call Daryl with no luck. She never reaches him. Yeah. So by this point, the police have put out an alert that they're looking for Daryl Crenshaw, that they believe that he has a petite African-American woman in his Like that he's kidnapped her or abducted her in some way or that she might be being held against her will. And this guy calls the police and says, hey, I noticed my neighbor last night. I've got this new neighbor. I don't know his name. I haven't met him. But I noticed him pull up to his apartment last night and carry a petite African-American woman from the car into his apartment. And he said that he watched him carry her and that she was draped over his arms, like kind of like you'd carry a baby, like, you know, mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. and he said he assumed at that time that she had like had too much to drink right, or something. She was drunk, so, yeah. yeah. But when he saw the news alert, he became very concerned that it was something else. Yeah. And so police are like, well, that's fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. This is bad news. In the meantime, they start talking to more people that they know, know this Daryl guy. A day goes by. It's like August 10th by this point, And they track down his whereabouts on August 9th. He has spent the day on a date at Six Flags. Are you kidding me? It was like a first date with some girl. <gasps> and the girl talks to police at some point. And she's like... Yeah, it was kind of weird, like oh, halfway through the day, he had like this breakdown and he was like, he just kept saying, I, I saw her face. She wasn't breathing. What? And then like put, he pulled it together and we had a great rest of the day. Oh my God. And when the park closed, his friend came and picked us up. They took me home. He dropped me off. We like talked at the oh. door for a minute and he said he wished that we'd met under different circumstances so you could be my girlfriend. What? And then they'd kissed goodbye. <sighs> yeah. And so she's like, yeah, the whole thing was pretty fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> sure was. Yeah. Typical day at Six Flags. Yeah. So they tracked down this friend who had been the one that had picked them up from Six Flags. And she was a friend of Daryl's and said, yeah, I picked them up and I took his date home. And then he asked me
0: to take him. What um, a weird thing that he wasn't driving. I
1: know. He has a car. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. blood in it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't want to take that on a date. Nope. You sure wouldn't. Yeah. So, this friend is like, Yeah, I picked him up. After we dropped the friend off, he asked me to drive him out of town. I did. I drove him out of town and I dropped him off. And he said, If anybody asked me to say that I'd taken him to Maine. Whoa, okay. Yeah. And so they're like, Great. He's fucking fled town. Yeah. So, okay. So, because the people at the salon had witnessed a crime occur, essentially, Mm -hmm. and then the neighbor had seen a small woman being carried out of his car, they were able to secure a search warrant for his car initially. Okay. And so they go and they find his car. It's at his apartment building. He just recently moved into this apartment building. They go and they find his car and there's blood inside of it. Then they are able to determine pretty quickly that it's at least the same blood type as Ashley or something like that. And so they are able to secure then a search warrant for his apartment. And so it's, I think it's August 10th, August 11th, when they execute that search warrant on his apartment. They go inside and they find Ashley's body inside his apartment in his bed. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she has been beaten. Oh. She has abrasions all over her, but there's no obvious cause of death. Right, right. And so an autopsy determines that there's blood on the bed. There's clothing is missing. Mm
0: -hmm. There's
1: blood in different parts of his apartment. So an autopsy determines that she has been the victim of blunt force trauma to the head and neck and intestines.
0: Oh, God. So
1: she has been... So he just beat he her just up. He just beat her up and that she likely lived for several hours <gasps> after her oh. injuries were inflicted. So he'd beat her up. He'd placed her in his bed, and then he'd covered her with a blanket. And then he'd gone on a date to Six Flags. Oh, my God. And then he'd fled town. <sighs> yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. I believe I said that his car was found at his apartment complex. I actually think his car was found at his friend's residence. The friend who picked him up from Six Flags. Okay. So he'd, like, driven to the friend's house. Right. So that he could leave his car that had blood in it. And then that friend had been his, like, chauffeur for his date. Great.
0: Yeah. mm, Okay.
1: So Ashley had trauma to the head, trauma to the neck, trauma to the scalp, arms, left eye, abdomen... She had fingernail marks on her neck. She had petechial hemorrhaging in her eyes and gums, which all are signs that she had been strangled. strangled. Yeah. But that was not determined to be her cause of death. She had been strangled at some
0: point. Mm-hmm. God, what an awful. Oh, awful. It was terrible.
1: Yeah. yeah. It was determined that Ashley had been alive when all of these injuries were inflicted upon her. And she had lived for several hours after them. Obviously, the death was classified as a homicide. And so... Um, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And so the these two incidents... So the murder actually happened in, I believe it's Enfeld, which is near Hartford. And the kidnapping itself happened in Hartford. So they move forward with charging him in both of these cities, with one with kidnapping and then one with the murder. But they don't know where Daryl Crenshaw is. Mm. And so at some point, they decide that they are going to get this story told on America's Most Wanted. Hell yeah. And they get a segment run multiple times on America's Most Wanted. Is that unusual? I think it is unusual. Yeah, it seems unusual. Yeah, it runs several times on several episodes of America's Most Wanted. Actually, you
0: know what? They used to do the, um, I don't know how long they did this, but they did like their own, Uh huh. They, they didn't call it their own Most Wanted, uh-huh. but they would like do little updates like we're still yeah. looking for blah blah blah. we're yeah, still yeah, looking yeah. for blah, blah and so i think that's okay okay here. ashley
1: people's family said that this was like just the absolute best thing that could happen yeah obviously yeah. because it leads to his capture um, but also they said it just got the word out about what had happened it got everybody looking and it made them feel like the police really cared about their case because the police were the completely the ones who organized this they didn't reach out to america's most one of themselves like the mm. Hartford Police Department is the one who did it and arranged all of it. Okay. When the first segment ran, something was released to the public for the first time, something that had not been told before. So on August 18th, Ashley's father, her stepfather, this William Baskerville, he got a phone call from Daryl Crenshaw. <gasps> It was like a very quick conversation, somewhere between 30 and 60 seconds. He said that he was sorry about what he did to Ashley. He said he didn't mean to do it. Mm. And he asked William, who is a reverend, Uh he asked him to pray for him. And he asked if he could be forgiven. And so you don't get forgiven when you go on the run. Yeah. So William is doing everything he can to keep him on the line. So he's telling him of course. Yes, he has forgiven him, you know, all of this stuff. But he isn't able to keep him on the line long enough that they're yeah. able to go back and trace the call or anything like that. So they release this information. And so, like, it's just like a little piece that gives, you know, a little bit extra. Like, it's not a mystery who did this. Like, yeah. This yeah. guy has called and he has said I did it. Yeah. And so this is airing. And it turns out. That there's a very specialized group of people who love America's Most Wanted. Mm -hmm. Do you know who those people are? People like us? No. What? What? Inmates.
0: (gasps) So I was right earlier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Inmates love America's
0: Most Wanted. Because they feel like they might see someone they know? Yes. Oh. Yes. No,
1: that would make sense. Yes. So this guy is watching America's Most Wanted. It's January of 2009 by this point. Mm -hmm. So we're almost six months out from when this murder... I guess we're four months out from when Mm -hmm. this murder happened. And this guy is watching it, and he recognizes Daryl Crenshaw... As this guy that he had been in an immigration, like, holding cell with in Mexico. Really? Only he didn't know him as Daryl Crenshaw. He knew him by some other name. Of course. So he calls up America's Most Wanted and he's like, hey, I think I know this guy. I think you'll find him in Mexico. He's claiming to be from Jamaica and he doesn't have papers to back it up. And so they're holding him in Uh, in this immigration jail uh, in Mexico. And so... Where in Mexico? Do you know? Uh... It does not say. All the stuff I found just said Mexico. So Damn I'm it, not Randy.
0: Sure. I apologize. Make something up.
1: Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't.
0: I can't even come up with anything. I'm <laughs> this sorry. This is like <laughs> this is like Billy on the street when he's like, name a white woman, <laughs> and people just like, <laughs> name a city in Mexico. <laughs>
1: So authorities call up this immigration place in Mexico and they give them this name that this guy has told them. And I can't remember what it is now. And I didn't write it down, of course, because mm-hmm. I'm Kristen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, and, you're really cool. And they're like, yeah, that guy's here. He claims to be from Jamaica. And I don't know the significance of this. But when he went missing, Patricia told authorities that she thought that he might be heading for Jamaica. Wow. I don't know what Ashley may have said about him. I don't know. Yeah. But she had told them that. And so when this guy says that he's claiming to be from Jamaica, they're like, okay, that's interesting. Yes. So what had happened is he had gone into Mexico and then he'd gotten, I don't know, questioned about his status or whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'm from Jamaica. And they had no papers to back it up. He couldn't prove who he was. He couldn't prove where he's from. And so they were holding him. Yeah. They go down there and he immediately admits to everything. Wow. To that he doesn't fight extradition. He's back in Connecticut in a day.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: The articles say a matter of hours. So yeah, it was like, he was like, yeah, take me
0: back. Hmm. Yeah. Guess that holding cell wasn't too fun. It
1: might not have been. Yeah. (laughs) So he, like I said, is charged with two counts of kidnapping. So the first kidnapping was from when he took her from the salon in Hartford. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the second is when he carried her into his apartment in Enfield. Enfield or Enfield? I think it's Enfield. Enfield,
0: E-N-F-I-E-L-D. I don't know why I think it's Infield, but Might I feel very strongly. Okay, Infield. I have so, a brother in law from Hartford, I, Connecticut. I know so it kind of makes me an expert. <laughs> I know you do.
1: So they are claiming when this goes to trial, the prosecution is claiming that these are two separate incidents. So they argue that when he got her in his car and punched her, that was the initial kidnapping. Mm -hmm. But then when she willingly walked into the friend's apartment and he offered to give her a ride to her car and she declined, that she was no longer being held against her will. So that's the end of that kidnapping. And then when the witness sees her being carried unconscious into Daryl Crenshaw's
0: apartment, that that then constitutes a second kidnapping. Okay, that's kind of funny. I like that they can charge him for two counts of kidnapping. Right. But just because she said no doesn't mean that she really wanted to be with him. I agree completely. I think think it could mean... It's too scary. It's too scary. It's
1: too dangerous to leave. Yes. This is safer than trying to get away from him right now. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, they try him for murder. So when these charges are initially filed, they charge him with a capital crime, mm-hmm. which means that they had the ability to seek the death penalty. Right. So in Connecticut, there's like eight different things that qualify something to be designated like a capital crime. Right. And one of them is a murder that takes place in the process of a kidnapping. OK. And so everyone thought that's what they you know, were going with. Sure. They ended up dropping that designation before trial really yeah they did not designate it as a capital crime because i think it became too difficult to prove that the actual murder took place during the act of the kidnapping
0: yeah okay okay yeah yeah.
1: and so at first ashley's family is like yes 100 percent, we're for the death penalty this is what he deserves and so they were pretty upset when that designation Mm -hmm. got dropped the jury trial moves forward and they lay out the two different kidnappings and the prosecution I'm sorry the defense has a weird strategy I think what is it they completely admit that he is responsible for her death for Ashley's okay. death but he never intended to kill her and that is oh. in, intent is required yeah. under yeah. Connecticut law to be able to give a victim of murder so they should be you
0: mean a first degree murder right what did I say of just of murder, um, so couldn't it? No,
1: the defense says murder. They ask the jury to find him guilty of manslaughter, oh, no. or oh, a misdemeanor no. count of no. negligent homicide. No, yes, because they say the intent was not there.
0: Oh, he just wanted to beat her up.
1: Yeah, he never intended He's just to a murder good guy. her. An intent is necessary to prove murder. Mm. Yeah. And they also ask to... This better not work, young lady. So that's what the defense asked the jury to consider. They say that, first of all, this should be, you know, a misdemeanor. And then not Mm. first degree kidnapping. It has to be second degree kidnapping. Because he only punched her those two times. Okay. What? What do you think the
0: jury found? I'm hoping they told the defense to go shit in a hat. They found him guilty of murder. And thank yes. you, man. Shit in the But hat. they did actually
1: find him guilty of second-degree kidnapping, not first-degree kidnapping. So what's the, what's the difference? I don't know what yeah, the okay. designation is. I, okay. I'm not sure. Okay. But they didn't agree with whatever the prosecution said all about right. the kidnapping. All right. So he's found guilty on all three counts, and he is sentenced to 78 years in prison, which seems very low for me for kidnapping and murder.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he's that's going to be the rest of his life, right?
1: Yeah. All of the terms allow are to run... Consecutively, not concurrently. So it's like the murder charges. I think he got sixty years for the yeah, yeah, sixty years for the murder, and then nine years each for each count of the kidnapping. Okay, so and those run right after each other. So it is a seventy-eight years, not you know everything's on top of each other. He immediately appeals this conviction. One quick note before I get to the appeal: when he was found guilty, his parents were there for his entire trial. I think, which is to be expected. But when and he was inspected. Inspected as well. But when he was found guilty, he stood up like to be let out of court, and he gave his parents two
0: thumbs up. What? Yes. Like Isn't a, that super weird? Like, I'm okay? Or I like, guess that's what he was trying to do.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was pretty weird. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah. He appeals his conviction, saying that there's no way he should have been found guilty on two counts of kidnapping because there was only ever one kidnapping
0: okay that's not how that works (laughs)
1: so this goes all the way to the Connecticut Supreme Court! Court and they actually agree with him really? Yes. They said the prosecution didn't give enough proof that the first case of kidnapping had ended. Like there was no proof that she was no longer being held against her will. And so mm-hmm. that doesn't give an opportunity for a second kidnapping to occur. So it all has to be considered
0: one kidnapping. Well, you know that does kind of go along with what we were saying earlier. I agree. So, yeah. yeah. I just don't want him to win yeah. anything. So he
1: wins this appeal. <laughs> okay. And so he goes back to be resentenced and he's resentenced by the same judge again. And she says, I intended to sentence you to 78 years. And that's exactly what I do today. Oh, yeah. So he did not get a reduced sentence at all. He just got one charge (laughs) dropped.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) And at that resentencing, Ashley Peoples family is all there and he stands up and he looks directly at them and he said, There's not a prayer I've made after that date that I didn't include everyone in your family. I know where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And I've accepted that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm.
1: I'm not moved. I'm not moved either. (laughs) Like, yeah, you should pray for them. Yeah. Mm. Ashley's stepfather said, I miss her. I really miss her. She was a good daughter. She was a good girl. He didn't have to kill her. Mm. Since his conviction, Daryl Crenshaw has made headlines a couple of times.
0: Oh, good. For like good deeds and stuff. Oh, yeah. Because uh-huh. he's just like a model
1: prisoner. No, one was for possessing child pornography in prison.
0: What? Well, yeah. Ew. Yuck. How do you do that okay, in
1: prison? So this is the craziest story. So he's like in his cell one day uh-huh. and the guards get some tip and they come and do like a surprise search of a cell. As soon as they walk in, he goes, eh, you got me. <laughs> And he takes a cell phone and he throws it as hard as he can against well, his cell wall. He breaks cell phones. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so they take the cell phone. They take a bunch of stuff from his cell. He manages. To me, it sounds like it was some kind of flip phone Mm -hmm. or a low grade smartphone because it like cracks the screen when he does it, but it doesn't break the phone. However, it does have a passcode. And so they can't get into it. So like a couple months go by and they're like looking through some other stuff that they've confiscated from his cell. Uh And one of the things is like book that's got all these random numbers written in it. Uh So they start punching in numbers it's to the phone password and book. W- yeah and one of them works to unlock the phone and on the phone they find a bunch of stuff stuff about what's going on in the prison and they also find a bunch of images of child pornography great yeah like oh young okay. children okay terrible yeah i know that he was charged with this i could not find what additional yeah. stuff he got tacked onto his sentence for it The second time that he made headlines from prison is when he was highlighted as having a profile on a dating service (gasps) that matches up prisoners with women.
0: Ladies, ladies, ladies. Yeah.
1: There's someone better out there for you, I promise.
0: Oh, my. Yeah. So that's
1: the story of Daryl Crenshaw and how America's Most Wanted brought him back from Mexico.
0: (sighs) I can't. Oh, man.
1: Yeah. The articles all say that America's Most Wanted is very popular with inmates. And it was an inmate who... Led it doesn't it.
0: surprise me at all. Yeah. What could be more exciting than, like, the possibility of seeing, seeing someone, someone you, you know? know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, that was terrible. It was. I've got a crazy story to tell you that's
1: more lively than either of these.
0: Oh, does it involve child porn? And if so, how much? It does not. Oh, great.
1: No. Okay, so this is a run in my parents' had with the police yesterday. <laughs> okay what is with our with i our know right okay go ahead okay so it was like seven thirty yesterday uh-huh. morning my mom is getting ready for work my stepdad's retired and so he's at home and there's a knock on the door at seven thirty in the morning and so steve my stepdad goes and he answers the door and there's two police officers standing there
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they're like are you steve born <laughs> and he's like yeah and they're like is your wife vivian what? And so Vivian is my mom's legal name, but nobody in the world oh, calls her that. Okay, I was going to say, no. <laughs> yeah. Nobody in the world calls her Vivian. She uh, goes by Lynn. Yeah. Which is her middle name. And so he's like, taken it back for a second. And then he's like, well, yeah, she goes by Lynn. But yes. Uh-huh. And they're like, we have gotten a call from someone and then they're trying to remember where this person called from there. It's some M state and they can't remember. And this woman that's called them is very concerned because she typically in the past has talked on the phone to Vivian once a month and now hasn't heard from her in a year. And so she's called the police and asked for them to do a welfare check. Oh my god, on her. And so Steve's like, Yeah, I mean she's here. And so he goes and gets my mom. My mom comes down Uh and she's like, Yeah, I'm I'm alive. So it turns out that my mom's 90 year old great aunt Marcia in freaking Michigan Uh has been trying to get a hold of her, but she has their old home phone number and they don't have a home phone anymore. And she's been trying to get a hold of my grandmother. My grandmother moved into assisted living, so she has a new phone number. And so when she couldn't get a hold of anybody, which my mom was already confused because they said that she talked to her every month, and my mom's maybe talked to her aunt Marcia on the phone like three times in her life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God she called the police and asked for a welfare check oh
0: poor great aunt poor
1: great aunt marcia
0: very concerned steve almost got away with it
1: it <laughs> wasn't for that meddling great <laughs> um
0: well my parents i know you gotta tell about your parents running with the police you know what i don't think i should just because nothing would give my dad greater pleasure <laughs> Than to come on the podcast. Oh, you're right. And drag the story out for two hours. The bottom line was how do I give like the basics of it? They were at a campground. Yeah. They're, they're RVing right now, yes. love in life. Yeah. And in my dad's words, Grandma Grump, who ran the <laughs> campground, thought that they were pulling out without paying for the day and they got surrounded by four the pop cars.
1: a <laughs> whole police force coming down on <laughs> <at> them. <laughs>
0: Nothing has given my dad greater joy than that story. He went in our Discord. So my dad wrote the story up on Facebook, which, yes. you know, any great moment in dad's life he puts on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, Norm. Oh, here he comes. What do you got there? He's got the weirdest looking beer ever. What is that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cracking open a cold one.
1: <laughs> well, tell tell her what it is.
2: It's a lager mm-hmm. from Ballast Point. Oh, okay. San Diego Brew
0: excellent grab yourself a chair yeah you want to sit
2: yeah so, what's up how was the episode
0: well so i'm telling the story so brandy's parents just had a run-in with the law and as you know the great dp and Ray had a run-in with the law but anyway i was just saying that <laughs> he, <laughs> dad he dad teased was, it in the discord <laughs> but tell how he oh yeah how they
1: so he said <laughs> he said oh uh, had a, something about how to crazy run in with the police I wrote about it on Facebook come check it out like anybody can just go check out his Facebook no. clearly spoken, DP doesn't know how Facebook spoken works. like a
0: true old man yeah he's like everybody come check it out <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh that's not how that works oh classic DP classic DP oh anyways anyway, so we'll have to have him back and he can tell the story in detail oh <laughs> I'll love we'll it. to. We'll have to block out the whole day for that. No kidding. <laughs> Norm, welcome back from the archives. Thank you. Yeah, what have you been doing? You want to tell people what you've been doing? It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so I'm in a Discord group with a bunch of gaming history nerds, and uh, one. Whoa, of... whoa, whoa! I think those nerds guys are getting
0: laid all the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of big initiatives is to go out to the archives and scan old video game court cases that's super cool and a lot of court cases that took place in new york were transferred to kansas city oh wow because new york's just out of space so i was like hey i'm in kansas city i can do a few of these yeah so right now i'm working on the universal versus nintendo court case Mm -hmm. um the sad thing is the original case was destroyed yeah it's gone you can't can't get it anywhere uh so all i'm doing is like the appeals and stuff i mean there's a few little things from the original case but it's a lot of stuff to go through i got four boxes of papers to go oh through. my gosh yeah hmm. oh no it's fun though you, you get some insight that you never see anymore. yeah that's cool so, when are you guys going to go to the archives and research some cases
0: probably never yeah i can't say I'm unless <laughs> unless we one day do like a new podcast where we do a deep dive into one crime yeah yeah but i like what we're doing i like now. what we do i
2: think that would be really interesting Ugh. i think you guys should quit this podcast no and start that one stop
0: it <laughs> <laughs> do you have questions from the discord or have you not done
2: i didn't oh okay that's ask great. i'm sorry yeah. no that's no, okay totally i totally forgot
0: it's totally fine. It's totally fine. It just means that signing up on Patreon for us is just like useless now and like no one should do it. Thanks a lot, Norm. You just ruined the podcast. I guess now we have to go do that other podcast.
2: <laughs> Perfect.
0: Norm killed the podcast.
2: <laughs> I created this podcast and I can kill it too. What? Wow. 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 Hmm.
1: Kristen, this box of cleaners is here. Is that, are you
0: insinuating that I need to use it? Have you? No, but I am implying that you need to use it. <laughs> What's the difference?
2: Insinuate is usually a bad thing, and imply is like neutral or good.
0: No, so implying means how do, I struggle with giving definitions without using the words. Implying means that I'm hinting at something. Uh-huh. Insinuating, I believe, is like what I gather from what you. Would oh, imply okay, about right, me. right, right. Let me let me make sure I'm right.
2: I think I'm right.
0: Hmm. No, you're wrong. Oh, oh. <laughs> whoa! It's getting heated in here, guys. Oh. Insinuate suggest or hint in an indirect and unpleasant way. Oh. Okay now imply. Norm's right. Mm. Oh my because gosh. Right. Mm. Imply. Strongly suggest the truth or existence of something not expressly stated. Mm. Huh. Mm. Seems like Norman was right. And it seems like you were insinuating that I needed to use the listen, knife. every now and then you cry. You're right. Whether, I do. whether for allergies or for just general emotion. So That's exactly yeah, right. The, the Kleenex <laughs> is on your desk, ma'am. Brandy. Chalk
2: another one up for team norm
0: you want to talk about uh, what we got going on on patreon right now yes i do guys hold on to your hats <laughs> on patreon at the seven dollar level you get bonus episodes you get a sticker you get a thank you card from us you get into the discord you get to vote on episode topics you get case updates and now <laughs> you get yet another bonus video and this month's bonus video brandy made like the ultimate midwest, midwest. recipe yeah cottage cheese Jello salad. It looks so disgusting. Norman,
1: what was your reaction oh, to the cottage? Norm, we made Norman taste salad. it. He hated it so much.
2: Oh, you know, you guys lied to me and said you can't even taste the cottage yeah, cheese. Yeah, that was a, lie. Was a you, lie.
0: You can taste the cottage cheese. And I,
2: I i hate cottage cheese.
0: Yeah. Norm
1: almost threw up. <laughs> <laughs> he hated it so much. And there's also a fresh. Bonus! episode. Oh, I was like, "What's she talking about?"
0: Yes, there is a fresh bonus episode. <gasps> what do we cover on that bonus episode? Okay, so on that bonus episode, why am I blanking when I just listened back to my I know, today? we both just listened to the edit today. So. I I covered uh, the case. It's an old timey one. Good old from, Holly from the UK. Oh, yeah, it's about the uh, UK. Yeah, it's about the first. <laughs> why
1: what? Does your face look like that?
0: Oh,
2: should we do it? We
0: should do it. I
1: know. No. One, no. Two
2: three
1: we're, we're from, from london, london! <laughs> okay so we did that on an episode and i realized we didn't explain why we did that <laughs> i just wanted to move along just like how i feel right so, now so kristen hates fake british accents hate so we went to this concert and the band was actually british and that's what they said when they came out they yelled like really <laughs> loud like in the mic yelled,
0: we're from london and so Norman, i do it to drive Kristen crazy <laughs> So yeah, in case you want to hear that again, you can (laughs) sign up on Patreon, listen to that crap. (laughs) So yeah, so you did that cool old timey case with Dr. Crippen. Yeah. And he was the first um, convict ever captured or fugitive ever captured. Well, I guess he wasn't. Whatever. He was a fugitive. Okay. He was the first fugitive ever captured via
1: telegraph. That's right. And I did the Hollywood madam, Heidi Fleiss. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. You know what I just realized today? What? I have done three cases in a row that somehow involved America's Most Wanted. Yeah, because I I noticed listening back that you had just done America's Most Wanted. You've got it on the brain. I guess. Ma'am. Yeah, so the one about the terrible mother from hell. Yes. That America's Most Wanted inspired that girl to get her story told. Mm -hmm. And then Heidi Fleiss... Had a friend who was murdered and got the story told on America's Most Wanted, which led yeah. to him being convicted. Mm-hmm. And then today is America's Most Wanted case. Our whole episode. I'm not doing any more America's Most Wanted cases. Bullshit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know John Walsh from America's Most Wanted? Yeah. yeah. Do you know he endorses the jitterbug cell phone? He does not. Yeah. Are you serious? The one with the giant
1: buttons? Mm-hmm. For old people? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Have you seen the iPad now that's basically the jitterbug of iPads? It's called GrandPad. (laughs) It
2: sounds like a diaper. It's
1: an iPad. It's like the most simplified version of an iPad you've ever seen. It comes out of the box, completely set up and ready to go so that like your grandparent can FaceTime with you.
0: Okay, but old people already love iPads. (laughs) So, I mean...
1: I don't get. It. Have you noticed that old people love? IPads? Oh, old people love iPads. Yeah, yeah. My grandma, bigger. My grandma has an iPad.
0: Oh yeah. Everyone's grandma she has loves an iPad. It. And she's not special. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Old people also love voice to text. You know. Mm. Mm. Old people don't text. I know, but.
1: I... <laughs> God, it's so. Oh. <laughs> I'm not texting any of my grandparents.
0: Norman's grandma text. What? It is a gift, a true gift. Yeah,
2: it's great. She actually she, prefers text. She does she not want to want talk, to, talk to me on the phone. Well,
0: join the club. No
1: one wants to talk to anybody on the phone except for grandparents. <laughs>
0: yes, Norman's grandma and my grandma sister is Kim.
1: My sister, you will send your, my sister Kim a text message, and she will call you back. I'm like, this is a
0: text message. Kim, you're too young for that. <laughs>
1: Kim, come on.
0: <laughs> Uh, So anyway, the the whole point of that was that we got exciting stuff going on on our Patreon, (laughs) so you should definitely join. Speaking of exciting stuff on Patreon, when you sign up at the $7 level, you get inducted onto this very podcast. That's exactly right. I was wondering where the fuck you were going with that. Really? This is what we do at the I'm end of sorry. every episode. Is this I've got really? it pulled up, though. Oh, wow. Good. Ready to go. Anyway, this week we are wrapping up with people's favorite beverages. Wonderful. Kristen, what should people do for this week's uh, inductions? What
1: do you want them to do while they're being done? Du-
0: you want them to watch an old episode of America's Most Wanted? <laughs> I want you to put on a trench coat, walk down a dark alley, <laughs> <laughs> and talk seriously into a camera. <laughs> Lacey Evans. Peanut butter porter. Taylor Mack. Oh, that's who liked our. That's who followed us on Twitter in the oh, on all the episodes. Oh, Taylor, Taylor, this is your episode. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cold brew and a splash of almond milk. Alicia. Cider, but the
0: alcoholic kind. Kennedy Daniels. Root beer. Ambrosia Shapiro. Chocolate milk. Azy Daisy. Dark and Stormy. What, What's that?
1: I have no idea. What is that? What's it's dark a, and it's stormy? A beer. Oh. oh. I was, like, having trouble finding the drink because I didn't know what that was. Ashley Burke Cappiello. I'm a beverage director, so literally anything with booze.
0: Beverage director? What is that? I mean, I'm the beverage director of my own life, but it (laughs) sounds like she's a little higher up on the chain. (laughs) Jessica Bayardo.
1: Tiesta Tea Maui Mango Loose Leaf Tea Iced. That's just a bunch of words. (laughs) (laughs) Mike LeCloose. A big pint or three of Guinness. Robin the Great. Uh, <laughs> she said, I just like to be asked.
0: <laughs> Hannah Swartz. Big Red. What's that, red cream soda? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really popular with barbecue. Mm. Belinda Pilger. Fresh squeezed lemonade. Stephanie Newsom. Bottle of DP slushified. Oh, that's what <gasps> I my was say dad, that was. What dad loves. Yes, yes. So, like, pretty much frozen. He calls it a recipe. He puts it in the <laughs> freezer for like a couple hours and pulls it out. Mm. <laughs> that's so funny. That's exactly what DP likes. Oh my gosh. Okay, this woman did not give us any help on her <laughs> two last names, and she said, "Good luck." Okay, Tina Fernandez Cal- <laughs> Carvalho. Mojito. Lucy Weber. Or, oh. Oh, God. Lucy Weba. <laughs> Gin and Tonic. Oh, God. I, I feel should... like people are just fucking up with us with their names now. I, I feel like I'm just terrible with names. I shouldn't be allowed to read anything. <laughs> Anybody's names. By the way, welcome <laughs> to, to the Supreme, Supreme Court. <laughs> Jeez.
1: <laughs> Thank you guys for all of your support and joining the Patreon. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. Anywhere else? No, oh, that's those it. That's the places that we are. That's all the places. Excellent. If you think there's another place we should be, let us know. And then uh, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. And then be sure
0: to join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics.
1: Podcast adjourned.
0: And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from Murderpedia, Wikipedia, and Newspapers.com. And I got my info from the Journal Inquirer, the Hartford
1: Current, NBC Connecticut, and the Court Record. For a full list of our sources, visit Podcast. Podcast.com. any errors are of course ours but please don't take our word for it go read their stuff